We've been covering this, this whole theme of prayer this last month. You know, most people pray. I was listening to an interview with the great British talk show host um, by the name of Michael Parkinson. He wasn't interviewing someone. He was being interviewed about this whole concept of life and its meaning. He said, I don't believe that there's a God, but my wife actually does. She's a very religious, devout person, which would have probably led to the answer to the question of, do you pray in the negative? But when the, the person who was interviewing him said, do you pray? He actually said, oh, yeah, I do which they were startled. They said, well, who do you pray to? What do you pray? He goes, well, you know, there's times in our lives we get a bit anxious and worried about, and maybe before I go out onto a show, I find myself praying. I suppose I'm just muttering to myself or to someone or to something, but I pray. Isn't that interesting? People pray. There seems to be something within the human spirit, within the human psyche in times of trouble or challenge or even in moments of kind of majestic kind of excitement where you find yourself wanting to speak out to someone or something or to ask and invite and invoke someone out there, maybe God, to be involved in your life. This past month, we've been looking at downloading, logging on, uploading, using tech language to talk about this whole concept of prayer. When I was looking for a particular picture to represent online, it struck me as I was looking through the various images that I was going to select, something kind of resonated with me as I watched the images that I thought, it's really curious. I've got four pictures here. I wonder if you can connect with or tell me what kind of connected with me, not so much about the image, but about the person. Have a look at the next one. Now, as soon as I showed this to one of my younger children, they said, oh, that's not good. Computers and beds and... Okay. The next one. And then the last one. Tell me, what resonates with you as you watch the people here? What are the words that come to mind? Just call them out. Connected. What else? Disconnected. Focused. Concentrate. Searching. Searching. Solitary. Solitary. Selfie. Selfie. Antisocial. When I looked at these images, they're all words that come to mind when I saw these images. But what struck me the most was this idea of the intensity of the eyes and the gaze. When you look at them, it's as though they're actually interacting with and connected with in such a way that there might be a laugh, there might be an emotion, there might be a smile, there might be a conversation with a piece of technology in front of you because they are completely connected online, engrossed, engulfed. It's as almost when you look at these images that there's a relationship that's occurring between the two. Today I want to talk about a concept called being online always. Bible says these words, Paul writes these words. He says, I want you to pray in the spirit at all times on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. It says in another place, even a more abbreviated way, never stop praying. I remember when I first read those words, it was kind of one of those guilty moments that kind of descended upon you. I thought, oh my goodness, I've just, this just reeks of failure. Does anyone else feel the failure mark just when you see it? Just never stop praying. What on earth is he talking about? 
what do I, should I quit my job and just sort of, you know, take up and sit in an office? And I kind of did do a little bit of that, actually. But should I actually sit there and just pray all the time? Should I stop doing everything? And is that what it means? Or is it something more? In order to unpack this idea of being online this morning, I want to share with you five pictures of events in my life when it has to do with prayer and discovering something about prayer. But I want to leave you with one endearing image. An image that I hope will shape you for the rest of your life when it comes to understanding this whole conversation, if you like, in prayer. I want to go backwards in order to come forwards. So I want to start off when I was a little kid. There's times when I was a little child that I would find myself, maybe seven or eight years old, that I would be lying on a bed of a night time and I would be thinking about things like eternity, forever, existence, heaven, God. I remember sitting there in wonder and trying to figure out how does all this work because at some stage forever goes on for the next week and the week after and the week after and the week after and then you keep doing the sums in your head until in the end your brain just exhausts, yep. Now, I remember as a little child, I guess it was a conversation, if you like, that was swirling around in my mind asking these questions. I remember sitting with my mum one day and she said, you know, I believe there's a God and there's a heaven. And I was concerned about things of life and death. And so as a young child, I remember praying and saying, God, if you live in the heavens and if you are good and if you can take care of all my family and me, then I want to follow you come into my life. That was when I was a little child. Then when I got a little bit older, maybe in my teenage years, I probably related to prayer more like I call them the aeroplane prayers. Because I think most people, if they're honest, even if they don't pray a lot, there's usually the time that you pray when you're on an aeroplane. Does anyone else pray on the aeroplane? It's just when the, the runway is happening and you can see there's different people. They've got their, their music in their ears or someone else is reading. But there's inevitably, if you look around the... Um, the rows, there will be someone sitting there straight with their back straight, their head back, holding on, white knuckled, and they are listening to every noise, every piece of luggage that's being moved around the fuselage, they are listening to it and they're thinking to themselves, what was that? What was that? Uh, 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 yeah. And, and I reckon probably the way in which I related to prayer during those times in, in my teenage years was the aeroplane kind of prayers to do with tests and exams at school. Or if there was a sickness, and, and so I would find myself, if you like, probably shooting up aeroplane kinds of prayers. Then as I got a little bit older, just for the mums here who might like to put there, I never looked like this, but I remember <laughs> there was a time in my life where I went away in my late teens, probably early 20s, on a camp. And it was during that time that was focused upon meeting other people, but also discovering who more about Jesus Christ, who he was, that I guess I'd encountered and experienced this overwhelming sense, even though I'd grown up in church life all my life, this overwhelming sense that there was a God who actually loved me. And I remember feeling it almost like a liquid kind of experience through my body. And not everyone has this kind of encounter, and it would be different for different people. But for me, it was as though God was starting to soften a bit of a hard, independent heart and wanted to say, Troy, I'm actually real and alive, and I love you. And so I found myself not driving to university with my hair and curlers like that, but rather... There were moments when we, I would put something called a cassette tape. Some of you wouldn't know. And I would place it in the, the radio kind of cassette deck and listen to music about Jesus. 
And I would find myself expressing to him, singing. Sometimes I would be crying because I sensed just this overwhelming concern for other people and life. And it was as though it was opening up. If you like, those prayers were kind of expressions. If you had have driven up alongside me on my way to university on some of those days, you would have gone, that person is probably a little curious and driven on. And then, of course, there was a little bit older, still at university, 21, 22, when I'd always decided I wanted to go over to Europe, I wanted to save up some money and I wanted to explore. I'd figured out how many classes I could miss at university so that I could still get back in time so I didn't fail, but I could explore as much of Europe as possible. I remember standing on, I think, this station in Paris, literally looking up at the board all by myself. I had my URL pass and there was the, the signs to every different country you could imagine. You could have Belgium, Germany, Switzerland, you name it. I remember standing there on the the station in Paris by myself, probably the first time in my life that I had ever been, if you like, no other safety nets around me but myself. And I remember saying to God on the station, God, I kind of don't know where I'm going, but I think I'll go to Switzerland. Sounds good. Do you reckon you could look after me? Could you just provide a way for me? When I get to the other end. And if you like, there was another conversation opening up in my life. I call it like the relying kind of dialogue prayer. When I got to the other end at 11 o'clock at night, there was just the, the trains got smaller and you changed, changed, changed. And I got off, and then sure enough, I met someone who was traveling to a youth hostel, and it just so happened that it's kind of looked after along the way. The relying kind of prayer. And then When I was in my early 20s and studying overseas, my wife and I had said, look, we want to explore more about who God is. We want to discover more about who this Jesus is, not just because my parents said so, because we want to. We found ourselves over in Portland, Oregon, studying at a Bible college. And I remember one morning when I was praying, I literally experienced an interruption in prayer. Now, this is not normative for me. In fact, it's happened few and far between times. But I remember when I was praying, there was this audible voice that wasn't out there. It was in here, but it was just as real as though it was an audible voice said, and I'll make up the name of the person. Troy, I want you to pray for John. Pray for John? What do you mean pray for John? What do you want me to pray? John was a friend of mine that I'd traveled through high school, university with, didn't know God, encouraged me to go and study overseas, but kind of wasn't really connecting in with Jesus at all. And the prayer was, pray for John. So I did. I said, God, let's pray for John. What do you want me to pray now? An audible voice back in my head, pray that he goes to church. Okay, God, I just pray that John goes to church. Now what? Pray that he makes a commitment to follow me. God, I just pray that John will go to church thinking because he's my age, he'll go in the evening time because that time you went to the evening gathering service if you were going to go because not in the morning, there are oldies there. And so I said, pray to go to the evening and, and that he come to know you. I remember hopping up from that interruption in prayer and, and walking to my wife Bronwyn out in the kitchen and said, um, I think God just spoke to me. Like, I've never had it like that before. Sure enough, during the course of the day, you kind of, not forget, but it just sits in the back of your mind. At 2 a.m. the next morning, the phone rang. Whenever Australia was calling, they always got it wrong. (laughs) And so when it was an early morning call, it was Australia. 
The phone was right next to our bed. I remember picking it up, putting it to my ear and going, hello? The other end, it said, hi, Troy, this is John. John? What are you doing calling me? I had no connection with him whatsoever. Like, maybe letters, but no. What are you doing calling me? He said, I just want you to know that I, this morning I went to church. I went, oh, I was praying that you go in the evening time. I don't... <laughs> so what did you do, John? He said, I just want you to know that I, I kind of walked down the front and I gave my life to wanting to follow Jesus. He said, you will not believe this. God told me this A long time ago, it was in the morning the day before. In the course of my life, I guess I've discovered that there's a whole bunch of different ways of praying and relating. But the thing that strikes me most through all of those different experiences that I'm still learning now is that it strikes me at the heart of prayer is this idea of of being interactive with God. This whole concept of that it's a conversation, an awareness, kind of that onlineness connection that a person has when they're interfacing with something else, giving their total absorption and their consciousness and their awareness that at the heart of all of this kind of communication and prayer with God is a call for relationship. That God is actually interested in me and you and he actually at the heart of it wants to be dialoguing, interfacing, connecting with us 24-7 all the time. Now, here's the one enduring image I want to leave you with. Because the question I have is that if, if the, the writer in the Bible says, I want you to be praying all the time without ceasing, and this whole idea of concept by online and communication and relationship is at the heart of it, I ask myself, why do I find it difficult at times to pray without ceasing, if you like, to be online. I wonder if it's because the image we have of God is distorted. Jesus, having a religious, spiritual argument with some religious teachers, in John chapter 10, it's recorded, gets frustrated with their spiritual blindness and resistance, so he tells them a story about shepherds and sheep. This is what he says. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. He's thinking about a Middle Eastern culture, not like the big farms we have in Australia, where the farmers are riding around on quad bikes, collecting like hundreds of sheep. The image that Jesus has here is a Middle Eastern culture of of rocks and caves where the sheep and goats might be herded, where there might be a little doorway, a wooden one, that kind of, if you like, hems them in and allows them to come in and out because there's wolves around. And he goes on and says this, But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Many years ago, I went to Israel. In the group, in the party I was with, we walked along one of the Roman, I then think, crusader aqueducts. During the course of the afternoon, we we walked kilometers until we got to a place that was like a watering hole. And right there in that place, in all the rocky outcliffs and the dry dirt and the barren land and yet this watering sort of place, there was a family. Right there in the family, there, there, was, 
there was the older and younger and there was young children around and there was all the sheep and goats nestled in on the sides of the... They were just spending time together, if you like, hanging out. See, when Jesus uses this image of sheep, it's not like this indiscriminate kind of many of them, but it's this kind of intimate family setting. The sheep that Jesus is referring to here is more like, more like our pets. And, and, and if you like, the, the family or the shepherds are just that. Family members who want to take care of, they interface, so it's no problem for them to know as they've grown up the shepherd's voice. They know the master's ring, and they hear his voice, and they follow. That's why this picture makes a lot of sense. Not big herds, although this one would be a big herd, but do you see where the shepherd is? It's the top right-hand corner. They're following him because they know his voice. And I know he leads them into safe pastures. They know he's the one who will give up his own life for them. They know that his gentle, stern voice sometimes is one that really has their best interests at heart, and so they follow. Jesus goes on, he says, likens himself to a gate. He said, I'm telling you the truth. He said, I am the gate of the sheep. All the people who came before me were thieves and brigands, but sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone comes in by me, they will be safe and go in and out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came so they would have life, yes, and they would have it to overflowing. He pushes it one step further and he goes, I am a good shepherd. I'm a good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. But supposing there's a hired servant who isn't himself the shepherd and who doesn't himself own the sheep, he will see the wolf coming and leave the sheep and run away. Then the wolf will snatch the sheep and scatter them. But I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep too which don't belong to this sheepfold, I must bring them to and they will hear my voice and then there'll be one flock and one shepherd because he's a good shepherd who lays down his life. You see, the God I'm thinking about when it comes to praying constantly online with isn't the vending machine God the one that you just put in the right amount of money, stand the right way, say the right prayer, and he'll give you what you want. Although God does say, cast your cares upon me because I do care. He's he's not the judge God, the one who's always willing to tell me when I've got it wrong. Although he is grieving over the state of this world. And when I do wrong, it says that he kind of disciplines me like a father would discipline a good father, like would want to discipline a child. So he does judge and call people to account, but he's not just an angry judge. And yet, He's not a drill sergeant judge, the one who's always telling you what to do, when to do, and how to do it because he wants to ruin your life. No, no. He he actually wants you to come and find life. He's not the boyfriend-girlfriend God who who you can just cuddle upside and, and, and have a little romantic sort of moment. But he does say that you're not a slave, but you're a friend. You see, the God that I have in my mind is the good shepherd kind of God. The one that wants to lead me into ways of new life. Jesus said this. This is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is eternal life. Not to go somewhere when you die in a place called heaven, although I believe that too, but... 
that place comes to earth. At the heart of it is a God who desires me and you. He invites us to know him. And he says, I'm with you always, even to the end of this present age. That's the God that when I think about and it shifts my thinking, you have an image that's enduring is the one that I would say, why wouldn't I communicate with you if you are like that? I wake up in the morning and I say, God, we're in this together, reporting for duty, sir. Where do you want me? What do you want me to do? God, in the middle of the day when there's worries that come, that I might say, God, would you help me with this? When I'm troubled about a decision to make, God, what are you thinking about this? It's not as though I can't make a decision for myself, but what do you think about this? And I would seek him. Why? Because he is a good, good shepherd. The one who's with me always, online, available, whenever, however. Van's going to come up in a moment. In fact, come on up now. Many years ago, my dad tells a story, a fishing story. About a time when he was up in Brighton, he was going along the Buckland River and he was a fly fisherman. And at that time of the Buckland River, there was this kind of pine plantation that wrapped itself all the way up the river. He said he, he got dropped off by his dad in the afternoon. And as he was walking up that stream, there was this like big dog that looked like a, kind of looked like a wolf, kind of looked like a dingo, kind of, and it just followed him on the other side of the water. As he moved, the dog moved. Then somewhere along the line, I guess it got lost. And uh, he got himself absorbed in fishing. And as he was casting his line, it got dark. And before long, the whole sky, if you like, was dark. And he had no way of getting out. He said it was really late, which was not unlike my father in fishing. And he, he stepped out of the river, still conscious that there might be some sort of dog around. And there was this whole pine plantation and blackberries everywhere in between. He realized, I can't get out. But his dad realized that he was lost. So this is what he did. A mile or so away, he'd driven his car up to the place where he thought probably his son had got to. He turned on his lights towards the river and started honking his horn. My dad could hear him. He could kind of see a light, although he couldn't see him. And he knew that was the point of home. So he said, in that moment, I had to make a decision. It was it me or my fishing gear. It was me. So he said, I dropped my line, dropped all my gear. And I started to climb up these little saplings that were growing. So when I got up high enough, I could see the car. I could see the lights going on and off, and I could see, hear the horn. He said, so I leant onto the next pine tree and then I leant onto the next one and then I leant onto the next one blackberries below me fishing gear gone until eventually I made it through the plantation because my dad was calling me home if you asked him if his dad had his back he would say of course he did he's the one who shone his lights who honked his horn because he was calling me home. If you have a God who's like that, always available, 
it shifts my thinking and makes it easier for me to think, God, online with you, pray without ceasing. It's as though this conversation that rolls over in my head that every little bit that comes in my way, I'm aware of your presence here with me because you are a good shepherd. You are a good father. You are a loving parent. You are strong. One of you here this morning. And this whole idea of being online with God because he's always online with us. The biggest thing to that hurdle of pray without ceasing is really because you need to make a shift in your understanding of who God is. You've had a different image and now this is the image he presents to you as. When these guys play this song, and it's been the song that we've played over the last number of weeks, I'm going to invite you to maybe respond. Got these cards. They say, stay connected. And then on the other side, there's all these different computer language things. So for some of us this morning, the only gap between praying and in con- connecting with God is needing to make a shift. He doesn't want to hurt me. He wants to hold me and lead me. Maybe for you, you need to make that shift this morning. I want you to get up out of your seat. If that's the case, come and take one of these. And that's a reminder to you. God, would you help me shift? I'm going to wait over here. If you'd like to receive prayer, I'll pray for you that there'll be a shift. But for others, it might be that you need to learn to power up. Every moment of the day, you wake up and you say, God, I just need to power up. And the prayer is, we're in this together. Or maybe for you, it's you need to hit the alt button in times in your life where I need to alter something and I have not even the habit of bringing God into it. So the reminder of casting cares. Or maybe it's that prayer we learnt weeks ago. Speak, Lord, Samuel said, because I want to listen to you. You need to take space in your life to make time to hear from God. If any of those things connect with you, then what I'd like you to do is come. Come and take one of these, place it somewhere that's applicable. So to remind you, there's a God who's a good shepherd, wants to be online with you. Always. Now, as you hear the words of this song, some of you might just want to open up, maybe for the first time in who knows when. You might want to pray, God, would you help me shift? You might want to sing in response. You might want to pray leave this time for you but if God's speaking to you today you want to be reminded just get up come and take one of these happy to pray with you engage with him it's a God who wants to be online with us always